All right, y'all. Welcome to the More Than Words podcast. You know who you have here. You have your hosts. I am Liz. And I'm Shira. And we're so excited to have you. Listen, I don't know about y'all, but this has been, I don't know how busy y'all are, but my busyness is at a 27, like on a 10 scale. So I'm glad that you're making time for us and making time for you. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Listen, if you don't know what you signed up for, let me tell you, go check the title because it's happening. We have a great conversation for you. We actually have a guest today uh, that will be joining us shortly, and I can't wait for you to meet them. But I'm going to tell you right now, Liz, I'm stealing the auntie moment today because <laughs> let me tell you something. I have been on this speaking like circuit all the last couple of weeks. So I don't know about y'all, those of you out there, depending on when you are listening to this, there's usually some very busy times in the beginning of the year or first quarter, you know, top of second quarter where you're just constantly at a, a variety of different like conversation events, holidays, months, those types of things. And I am on the circuit. And so I love speaking y'all. So listen, sign me up. Okay. Anytime you're thinking, you'd be like, hey, who needs to be on the panel? Who needs to be a keynote? I'd be like, hey, yes, and please, because I love it. <laughs> But let, this last couple of weeks, like, why do you think I, we have a podcast? Because we like to talk. I'm just saying. That's maybe because I don't know if that was really the spirit of the podcast. But you gotta go all the <laughs> way back to the beginning to hear the spirit of the podcast. But anyway, listen, I Liz. So I've been talking the last couple of months have been really about to young professionals or college students. The last couple of talks. And I'm going to tell you right now, first and foremost, shout out to this generation because the questions that y'all ask, y'all are some natural coaches. Like y'all need to go ahead and sign up for coaching classes because y'all got the spirit of um, curiosity. Um, but also I wanted to just bring it to our the attention of our audience to know that there's a couple of things that they're thinking about. So one, this generation is definitely, or this incoming workforce is really um, not having it. They're not having it with not having hybrid work. Right. So if you're out there, one of those organizations that are like, hey, it may, we, they could probably everybody should just come in five days a week. That's not realistic. If you are not at minimum two days, like coming in the office, like that's it. Like Max, like people don't want to be you only going to get two two days in the office for real, for real. That's like really pushing it at this point. But I know some of y'all believe otherwise. So good luck with that. Um, and the reason is not because of what you think, which is like, they don't want to be in the office. It's because one, there's a level of productivity that this particular, um, this incoming workforce is really focused on. And a lot of that requires a lot of energy because one, they are, they've been in instances where being online or having a lot of autonomy is really important to them. So when you're in a, a, a workplace, you know, you don't really get as much autonomy or people don't see you autonomy or being, you know, kind of focused on your work as just, you know, a key part of what you do. They want to see you out and about and signing up for stuff. Well, this particular, um, these young folks are not necessarily, necessarily feeling like that fills them up and that's how they best show up. So giving them that balance is really important. This other one, I want y'all to really lean in on because it is one of the hardest questions I get. Can I bring my my true self to work or my authentic self to work? And that one is a hard one because when they say this particular one, they usually put their identities in it. So it's like, I'm LGBTQ plus or, um, you know, I'm a Latina and I don't see people in this industry. It doesn't look like me. My professors don't look like me. The people who come interview don't look like me. Like just a lot of feeling like already the only or the outsider um, and trying to get into this, these corporate or these business spaces or startup worlds. 
So just so you know, people are concerned about if you're going to accept them well before they get into the interview process, depending on who you're sending out to interview and talk to them. So be really intentional by having not just a diverse slate of candidates that you're bringing into your organization, but diverse interviewers and be prepared, especially for people who are of color or of difference of some sort that's different than what your organization may be the most dominant group. They want to talk to somebody to know what the experience is before they sign up. And more than likely, they have boots on the ground. They are a very savvy social media generation. And I can definitely see the whole autonomy. I um, I coach young girls between the ages of 11 and 13. And social media is such a big thing with that age group because they're never off. Mm-hmm. So, whereas when you and I were growing up, okay, well, I shouldn't say you because, you know, we don't, we don't want to put you there. But for me, for sure, I grew up in a place where I didn't have social media, I didn't have cell phones. And so, you know, I'd go to school. If there was a bully around, I'd go home and that'd be my haven, right? I'd hang out with my crew and whatnot. But those are my people that I chose to. I could turn that off. Whereas now... You're constantly on all the time. Emails are going, you're, you have your, your smartphones that are going. And so you want to have space to disconnect. So I can definitely see this kind of autonomy of your time being so important to this generation because it's, it's like they want to have time off and they can only do that in, in, you know, and and also the, I also think too, like they, they're, and we had a conversation earlier about this, about different skills. So I also think, too, that they want to diversify their skills and they don't want to just stick to one lane. Right. They want to 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 see other things. So and yeah, they're savvy in social media. So more than likely, they've already reached out to somebody and they're they're really good networkers, like really, really good networkers. Yes, they definitely are. And the the thing I want to just really lean in on is that they are struggling like they are nervous about how they're going to be perceived. And let me tell you what I tell them. I said, listen, at the end of the day, you bring the parts of you that you want to share with the organization, period. You don't have to bring every single part of you. Bring the parts that are really important for you to show up in a space and be yourself at the table or at any space that you get to sit and be like, when I say my name, you get the qualities of who I am, right? Then the other part of that is to assess the environment and the behaviors once you're there. If the environment and the behaviors are not supportive of your identities, then you have to choose a different place, right? And some people were like, well, should I fight it out and and, and change it while I'm there? I'm like, if that's what you choose to do. But at the end of the day, systems are hard to break. And yes, you can be a part of the change you want to see. But if that is not your passion or your purpose, don't feel, feel free to move on until you find the environment. And that is when they usually perk up and say, that's the reason why I chose this other major because I saw representation. Or by the way, I came back to school because I was in a workforce and I was like, this is not what I want to do. This is not how I want to show up. And so, yes, these are like this, this, this workforce, first and foremost, if you haven't practiced your empathy, they need that. Because if you don't look back on the last 20 years and all the things we've been through, this is, that's their experience, right? Uh, Started yeah. from 20 years from now, and you think of everything we've gone through as a society, that is their experience. Not the parts that you have before that, <laughs> but the parts of those last 20 years. So they need a level of empathy and, and also sponsorship that needs to start way sooner than we've been usually getting. So 
if you're out there, you got college age students um, um, or, 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 or uh, kids, these are the conversations I challenge you to go have um, in those spaces to spend time with them, talk about what you do, let them talk about the behaviors or the environment that your company has. And if it's not inclusive, don't try to sell them on it. Be honest and straight about it so they can choose because that's what they want. They want transparency and, and clarity. So, Liz, let's go to the forget that. Okay. Oh, man, saying. you you gave us the whole tea there. Like, y'all listen. I had Shara, to. Listen, because Shara's she's going to set you straight. <laughs> listen, I had to. I mean, honestly, the empathy is really high for this particular yeah. work. I mean, Listen, well, and, and I don't think it's hard. just the generation too. I think people in general really want, especially from leaderships. They we talked about this in our prior episode about human leadership, and um and how you know people are wanting more coach like approach, which um leads me to introduce our guest today so we have a guest so shara thank you for first giving us that tea i think that's pretty amazing and i i i love that you are a public speaker and that this is your passion and please book shara okay she's available at all hours you're horrible just stop can i be your agent no because you're shady can i be your gail can i be gail i want to be gail you don't if y'all know, if y'all know, y'all know, I'm a be Horrible, horrible, <laughs> horrible. Anyways, well, I want to introduce um, our guest today. Very, very special person. Um, I first uh, met um, this individual. Her name is Sara, Sara Guerrero. And Sara, you can correct me if I mispronounce your name. I apologize for that. Um, Sara, I met her in cdi she was one of the instructors and she absolutely blew me away with her not just her coach approach but her also her just her whole life she shared so much about herself in that session and so the very first day when i went to cdi training i left that day kind of i was laying on the floor going oh my god you know Tawana is tearing down my armor here. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to make it for the rest of the, the course, right? And then the next day, Sara came, you know, she she had been on, but she talked more about her values because that's something very important to her and disempowering beliefs. And I was hooked, just hooked on, on Sara and her kind of approach to things and she so i have a heart shirt today for those that can't see what i'm wearing so it's full of hearts and the reason why i did that is because sara guides everything with love and warmth and power and just and she showed me that you don't have to have one identity and you don't have to stick to your lane that you can do anything that you want to do you can as long as you're empowered to do so and you have a community around you and um yeah so sara Thank you so much for coming on our show. Come on in, Sada. Listen. Uh, hi. <laughs> you got my girl off the floor and see that. <laughs> that happens, you know. <laughs> that happens a lot. <laughs> well, 
Adam, first thank of all, so thank you for being here. Like for real. When we got a chance to meet in our uh uh discovery call, I was like, I see why Liz could not wait to have you on. So welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so thank excited. You, thank to you, have thank you. you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for this invitation. Oh, great. Now listen, now everybody wanna know what got people off this off the floor though. But before we get into the tea, right? Like, cause I wanna know all the I wanna know all the tea around that. Um, we always start when we introduce our or bring our guests on, we wanna know two questions, right? One being what are the top three dimensions that are important to you every day from an identity standpoint? And the second one being what are those stereotypes that come along with it? All right. So should I go ahead and answer? Yes. Okay. Good, good, good. I love the identity wheel. I love, I love how you all start uh, the program. So I'm going to say about me that my first one would be mom, right? I'm a mother of two, a 12 year old and a seven year old, um, and also a wife. So mother and wife, for me, they are related, right? Because I know that I'm a best mom when I'm a good wife and vice versa. It's related for me now in this season of my life. The second uh, identity layer that I want to share is, is that as a professional. I love to work. I actually do. I'm a little bit of a workaholic on the workaholic side, but I just, I love it and I'm passionate about it. So when I'm talking about my own professional identity, there are several layers to it, right? Because I'm a coach. I'm also a lawyer. That's my background. Um, and so, and I've, just written a book. So I'm now a writer. So all of that becomes my professional self. So that I know I'm maybe I'm cheating a little bit, but <laughs> in that dimension, there are several layers, right? And finally, last but not least, I'm a dancer. So I love salsa dancing. Here I go. One, two, three, five, six, seven. And uh, it's not only about salsa, it's about movement, right? When Liz was introducing me, uh, she was talking about values. One of my main values is movement. And I just, I love it. I love salsa. I love hip hop. I love all sorts of dance. Just get me to move and I'll be happy. So that's, that's what I would love to share. Thank you for the question. And you know that definitely connected me was that whole I dancing knew. part because you know I, I start our morning start with a bomb playlist and some yes. dance moves and yes. my kid my my young one probably not really appropriate but he definitely listens to Bad Bunny so you he know does. And, he, that. and his dance moves is top notch though the kids dance all the time now. but Sarah wait a minute now now I know how you got her off the floor now you talking about that that's awesome I know now why she got a, Listen, Sarah. So, Sarah, let me ask you a question, though. So, you, so we've had people come in quite a bit and talk about these particular roles. And for the first time, your first guest was talking about the work part or being really important to you, that outer part of the circle. That's the mm -hmm. first time we've heard that being like of the core identity. I guess with all that, could you share a little bit about the stereotypes that you encounter when, if those are the three that you kind of lead with? Yeah. So there's there's several, right? Stereotypes are everywhere, but the one like the older one is that that need to fit in a box, right? And so there's there's so many boxes that I could tell you about, but as a professional, um 
you know, as a lawyer, lawyers are very formal and they're very proper and all of that, right? And and suddenly there's a lawyer who's also a salsa dancer. And I, I remember when I was teaching in, in college, in, in university in Guinea-Bissau, which I know we're going to talk about today, <laughs> I remember they were very surprised, like, how can the lawyer be a dancer? What, you know, and I, I was just like dancing. And so... Um, so that that is like one type of box. But then I also mentioned when we when we talked about previously and, and my my share with you that there's also the the the, the color box, right? And that that's a very important part of what a, what I mean um, in terms of fitting into a box because I'm seen differently in each country that I have lived in and that I have, um, you know, that I love. Actually, I love all the countries that I've been able to live in. So Portugal, which is my home country, I'm very much, you know, white. So I was, I have been raised in a somewhat conservative family. So definitely on the white side. But then, and when I went to Guinea-Bissau, West Africa, I was seen as, as very, very white, right? Very, very standard out because of because of the the color of my skin um, but in the US when I first lived in the US back in 2015 I was really surprised because I found out that I wasn't white in the US I found out that I was a woman of color I find out that I was brown right and that was that was very interesting and so I know that I've shared this with you, but at some point as I was going through, you know, checking the box in my social security card in Maryland, I was like, what box do I check, right? Am I Hispanic? Am I white? Am I, wh what? I'm not Hispanic because I don't speak Spanish. So, you know, anyway, and I was telling you as well that this is could be an identity crisis, but it wasn't really because I was already, you know, older, my late. 30s, my uh, early 40s. So I knew who I was, right? And I knew that it was okay to not to fit into a box, uh, but it was still very surprising. So that's kind of the some stereotypes and boxes that I would like to bring up. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, Sarah, I, th I think it's so amazing that you bring up such a, a great point because you can have a sense of not belonging anywhere, not fitting anywhere. And, um, and, and that's something that you very much teach in your own coaching and, and as an instructor with CDI is this, you know, how do you get yourself out of this box that maybe society has put you in because of expectations or whatever it may be? And how do you remove these disempowering beliefs and bring your power back? How I know you talked about, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not in, I'm not in my early 30s, my early 30s, you know. You, you, you're seeing that as kind of like a experience it has kind of taken you out. But I know there's more to that, you know, mm -hmm. obviously, because I know you and you, it, and I also know coaching as well, that it, it's a lifelong journey. But how did you go from being having a sense of belonging in every single country that you were in, even though you were stereotyped a certain way or 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 you know, it could have negatively impacted you in a certain way. Oh, that's such a great question, Lee. Such an amazing question. I would say knowing myself is the most important thing, right? Just knowing who I am, knowing the core of who I am, not even like my brain, my heart, my emotions, what I bring, but also not really seeing life as static, like seeing myself as a bridge between different cultures in different countries and being okay 
with with that, right? With being that kind of bridge instead of just, oh no, I'm trying to belong here. I'm trying to fit into this culture because I'm always going to have stuff that I will learn from a certain culture, even my own country, because when I came back to Portugal, I had reverse culture shock. I was like, what are they, what is Portuguese people doing, right? So even here, I don't feel that I belong completely, but I feel like I belong to me. I belong to my family and that's my home, right? And my heart is my home kind of thing. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that's so powerful. And I can definitely resonate with that because I just moved from my home country very, very far away from my, I'm very, very close to my Mexican American roots, um, hence my earrings and my shirt. Um, but I, I've now moved into in to the UK in a very very small town that is very white dominated and it's like you know you can feel like you don't belong here and that you can't relate to someone but you're right that I have, I've always said this to my mom when she came over she said you know is this really what you want and I said yeah because I have my family here I have my unit here so as Sherrod calls it my ecosystem but yeah, yeah. so thank you yeah. for sharing that yeah, and you know what, I, I think it's, you know, listening to you both really brings up the, you know, Liz and I was working in Equatorial Guinea um, in West Africa, and most people like, you know, in the Black culture, it's like, oh, you went back to the motherland, you know, you went back to Africa, like, how was it, you know, and it's a stereotype you have to beat, right, like, people have something that whatever they've seen thus far, right, on TV, media, etc., you have to, like, dispel all those stereotypes, but one of the things that you just don't talk about, we don't hear enough about, is like, really, the experience that I went over there was, I found myself once again in a place where I wasn't a hundred percent fit in that particular, like I identify with so many things of similarity, tradition, speech, uh, hustle, profession, grind, right? Like food, culture, like so many things, but it was so many, those similar, those similarities had just as many differences on the other end of it. Um, yeah. where I was like, oh, I don't quite fit here a hundred percent, but I know that this is a space that I have more belonging than when I'm in the U S you know? Wow. And so it was like, I don't fit, but if I wasn't like, I'll tell you what happened. I, like to your point about really getting very comfortable with who I am. Like I had to figure out who Shara was like, Shara had to exist no matter the ecosystem. And yes. so to your point, when you talk about like knowing who you are and you just show up in the space that ha that got really clear for me but also it's one of those places like well there is there any place that i fit like where i could be a hundred percent comfortable um and i can be all the things that i aspire to be like with all these different um taking off all these different lenses as i have to see the world can i just be so you had an Af you went to africa i mean you lived and worked in africa okay. i mean share a little bit about that. I mean, is any of the things that I'm talking about kind of resonating as well with your experience or anything that you Oh, yes, yes, resonating so much. And I just, I loved what you said about similarities and differences. And I love how we can really learn from all of that, right? To understand when, especially when you're outside of your comfort zone and you're somewhere new, like who, does this define me? Does the reality around me define me? But also the reality within me defines me. And so where do I belong in terms of, you know, inner 
inner world, outside world, and it's just it's just a, an amazing conversation. It would be just just one conversation. So let me talk to you a little bit about my work in Guinea-Bissau. By the way, Guinea-Bissau, it's not a very familiar country, it's a very tiny country. Um, and in West Africa, um, near Senegal, in that area of, of West Africa. And when I um, left Portugal and I first lived there back in 2008 and 2009, I was teaching in, in, in university. I was teaching law because the, the, the legal system is very similar to the Portuguese because of, you know, colonization and all of that stuff. <laughs> so there's still a lot of commonality and similarity between the, the legal systems. And I was teaching law. And it was a beautiful, amazing experience. I think it was one of the times that I enjoyed working, you know, even more than I normally enjoy working. That was one of the my favorites. And then I started working with the UN. So uh, we've conducted an access to justice assessment. We traveled to all the villages and, and understood, you know, what's going on with the human rights situation. And that's where I realized that this is what I want to do. I want to work on human rights. It's not always easy. Gender-based violence, child protection, all of that stuff. I really just wanted to continue going. Um, and so and so that was part of my work. And I really, I interrupted it when I first went to the States, um, to the United States, but then I went back to Guinea-Bissau. So I go back and forth a lot and I still have a lot of uh, professional uh, relationships with um, Bissau-Guinea and, um, you know, people that you know, I'm still in touch with and I still work with. Yeah. I know in our in our discovery call, you know, we we because Sharon and I both have an experience working in West Africa as well too. I mean, we that I think that's something that connected all three of us together. Mm -hmm. And you you'd mentioned something about how, you know, you, you when you went to West Africa, you're like, I'm you know, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm going to teach people things. I'm going to, yeah. I, I went in there as well too, like very much like, oh, and because I, I went there to, um, to basically work myself out of a job so I could nationalize my position. So I'm like, oh, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I thought I was going to, you know, like be the, be it. And what I, what I ended up coming out with was I learned so much more and I gained so much more from that experience. And I know, I think, tell us a little bit about, I know you shared that with us during the discovery card, if, if you're comfortable yes. with sharing that. Sure. It was such, you know, that's so funny that you're bringing that up. It's true. We had that conversation and it was just such a lesson for me, right? Because I was like, oh, I know all this stuff. I know all the, le you know, legal systems and how to do this and this and that. I'm going to teach. I'm going to save these people from themselves, right? And that was so, and I, I couldn't see it back then because, you know, I had like really good intentions, but I was so wrong in the sense that, you know, it really cannot be about, you know, pushing for something, you know, I'm here to teach you something. It has to be about collaboration, right? So first thing is ask, what is it that you need in this moment? And how can I, how can I help support you? Understanding what is it that you need and what is it that you want to do? And yes, I'll have some technical skills, but I'll be here alongside with you and not here to teach you, right? And and I didn't know that back in 2008. Um, and it has been a long life journey to really understand that and to come to grips with even concepts of international development. Why don't we call it international collaboration, for example, or cooperation, whatever you want? 
but international development what what do you mean you mean that in guinea bissau there's there there's not a developed state of things there are things that are so much more developed than here in portugal or in the united states right so so all of that is tricky and the more i think we we come there's a collective awareness about these kind of perspectives. I think the more we all evolve as human beings and and yeah. and find ways to work together. Yeah, and it's really important. I mean, I think that that I'm so glad y'all are so transparent about like that experience. Like, I'm going to go teach something. Like that that's that colonial that colonial absolutely absolutely, and it's so embedded, right? Like in in the instance that 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 there is always a greater and a lesser right like yeah. that whole and then and then the lesser stays like the greater have to do impart something right like i have to impart something i have to yeah. teach so it could be so it could be similar to versus just honoring the differences and i and i'm with you i struggle with the terminology around the development because yeah. i'm always like can we just call it like cultural competence or cultural intelligence mm -hmm. like because mm -hmm. we're 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 really trying to it's it should be an exchange and collaboration. And, and, and in our work, um, when we were overseas, I mean, people will be real quick to let you know, like, okay, so this is how it is done here. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> this is how you need to understand <laughs> that this is how it's going to be done. And that's that, that's that first nice checkpoint to let you know, okay, so we we're familiar with this mindset that you're bringing. Don't bring that with you again. Like, you know, I like, love it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, so back in 2008 in Guinea-Bissau, I don't think anyone would have told me, you know, this is the mindset. It was just uh, the lesson was slower for me. It was harder for me as well, but it was just very sustainable in terms of like very much. It just it was organic. It 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 would happen as slow learning throughout the years where the conclusion was so obvious that I couldn't ignore it anymore, right? So when I look back to my young self back in 2008, I actually look at her with love and, you know, just like, oh, you you had really great intentions, but you didn't know, you didn't know anything about anything really. <laughs> and now, you know, I feel like I feel much more evolved to be, to tell you the truth. And I feel much more realistic and authentic um, and also, I feel like the collaboration and the work is much more authentic and much more, um, you know, truthful, really. Yeah. So, I mean, Sara, I know that one of the things that we brought up at the beginning was all your identities, all the loves that you have. You're not one. You're not one thing, and you're like, this is who I am. This is my identity, and this is my lane. I know one of the things that you um, that I thought was so interesting because I'd never met someone who was a, a human rights activist, like you know, someone like that I knew that I could talk to and 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 you know get information. Obviously, I, I know a lot of human rights activists, but someone who very much identifies in that sense. Can you share a little bit about your work in in human rights? Mm -hmm. Sure. And again, it was a slow learning process, right? So the mindset of I'm here to teach you and then I'm here to learn and then I'm, we're here to exchange, basically, what you said, Shara. Uh, you know, we're here to exchange, we're here to co-create, right? It's the whole co-creation space where beautiful, magical things really happen. And so I realized that, you know, we started this conversation with fitting into boxes and so on. I realized as well, as I was providing training sessions and I, as I was really teaching some stuff, you know, sharing my technical skills, 
I could not ignore the coach in me, right? So I was a lawyer, yes, and I was teaching. So for example, female genital mutilation, which is a human rights, um, a very serious human rights uh, issue in Guinea-Bissau, especially in some parts of Guinea-Bissau, um, where prevalence, you know, we're talking about 80, 85% of women who have been um, cut, you know, who have been, under, who have undergone the, the female genital mutilation um, practice. So I was teaching, you know, the law. I was teaching, oh, this is the law. There's a law, uh, you know, that that pre prevents, pro prohibits female men, FGM. There's a law that says it's a crime. And then I realized, okay, this is all very nice, but what is the real reaction that these people are having because they belong to the community, right? So their wives, their their daughters, their mothers, have undergone the practice. And so how are they really understanding what I'm saying? Like, this is the law, this is a crime. And so I stopped and I said, let's do an emotional check-in, right? Let's do an emotional check-in. And we're, we're talking about lawyers, you know, judges, prosecu public prosecutors, uh, health personnel. And they were like, emotional what? Okay, let's do it. Let's just do it together, an emotional check-in what is coming up for you as I tell you that this is a crime and then of course I would partner with someone local someone who was a survivor of the practice who would talk you know first-hand experience and so I would come in after she she did her thing right so I, I asked so what is coming up for you and they said we can't even think about the law because we feel so guilty. We feel so ashamed. We feel so, you know, and so that that emotional check-in was extremely powerful because people could say, well, this is the past and now there's a future, right? So the coach approach would then mean not only do I, am I teaching whatever, teaching law, but I'm also asking you to come up with your action plan for change what is real change mean to you and what does that mean in terms of your conversation with yourself that you have to let go maybe of something that you believed in so deeply so i would just say first and foremost i this really resonates with me because i'm in a lot of conversations around esg um, and some of the work that's being done around the un pillars and human rights comes up quite a bit and when I think about some of the things that people kind of attach themselves to, these are not always the ones that are chosen, like these di more difficult conversations. But I, I could not wait for you to share about this because oftentimes it goes into when we get into those pillars, the coach approach or the collaboration or the conversation around, this is my tradition. Like when I think about what I'm going to give up by making this change or wanting to be a part of the change that we want to see for the future. Oftentimes we don't spend any time in that transitional state. It's almost like, yeah. here's the cure. Here's the answer. Let's go. And it's like, that's the part that that pillar, the UN um, pillar, oftentimes when I hear that, if I don't hear the story for the transition, I really struggle with the output. Cause I'm like, that could feel performative, right? Like these are people lives. These are histories, right? Traditions, oral soul histories that has come and practices that mean something, right? That connects you with your heritage and your culture. And it's like, we have to spend that time. And as coaches, we are trained to do it. And what are those key questions we should ask? And I'm so glad that you shared that because I think that the humanity part of it, right? 
is oftentimes what's missing in the conversation. Like if someone came into your house right now and said, listen, we're going to change everything that you feel the most comfortable with. <laughs> you think that they'd be like, well, so, and guess what? Here is your new comfort and come on over. It's great and shiny, yeah. right? And not thinking about the, the change management or the, the human transition that belongs with that co-creation to make the new, the new, the unveiling or the opportunity um, feel more like a part of them and, and, co and co-create it. So thank you for that. I mean, I will say that this is this is a particular conversation and I hope that we can come back to you to talk about human rights more um, in general in this particular conversation, because I think there's a lot of discussion that's making people uncomfortable. And I think as coaches, we're skilled for that. Yeah, and, so, and especially absolutely. as, yeah, and especially as, I mean, we've talked about this multiple times, Shara, that the world will keep on evolving. The world will keep on changing certain events in the world will move people in different parts of the world. And how do we, you know, aside from having our own empowerment within ourselves, but as a community, I'm, I'm a big community builder and I believe in communities. And I think when you help one person thrive, the whole community thrives as a whole. So how do we do that in a bigger scale? How do we do that within organizations? How do we do that within countries and other communities, you know, as opposed to imposing our societal beliefs, on other people. So, you know, thank you, Sarah, uh, for, for sharing that and, and Shara for that amazing thing. I know yes. a few months ago, kind of changing it up a little bit, but going more into your coach approach. And I also love that many of your stories always come back to coaching and the collaboration and the co-creation. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's that's just so powerful. Like, it's like, you are meant to be a coach your whole life. That's so cool. <laughs> but one of the things that I had never connected to together was your salsa instructor, your salsa, being a, a salsa instructor, salsa instructor, dancer. Oh my yes, gosh. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. And how it how it res how it uh connects with coaching can you share a little bit more about that because i know the share was like what how is this happening <laughs> yes and i i i love to talk about this because that's you know talking about learnings what how we learn how we incorporate what you know our experiences and salsa has de definitely been a part of it i told you i'm like i love to work and i'm like ah oh, let's just do it quick 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 and i remember that the first time i I learned salsa. I was like, what about this partner? Huh? They don't, they're not moving as fast and I have to be patient. Come on, just give me triple spin. What are you doing? Right. And so that patience of and co-creation with someone else, it's a big, big, big learning experience. Right. So I, I I'm always saying, for, especially for, for those of you who are quick to action, just take, you know, take some lessons, like, partners you know ballroom or salsa or whatever and you will learn about patients and i i believe that it's very similar to the coaching process where where the coach needs to be really patient in terms of understanding that this is a process there's a co-creation aspect of it and it, you have sometimes you have to go slow sometimes the client will go fast and you'll go fast but sometimes you have to slow it down and you have to let them process right and so that that co-creation piece the patience the building designing action asking what's coming out for you and just you know just slowing down it's so important um and there's also a part of it that's very similar in terms of the disempowering beliefs and as a salsa instructor i 
I oftentimes, oftentimes came across with, you know, people who are coming to the salsa class and they were like, they were not comfortable in their bodies for some, for whatever reason, right? I'm too big, I'm too tall, I'm too whatever, too old, whatever. And the process of them learning how to dance, but, you know, in, at a deeper level, learning to have that conversation with themselves and their bodies, that was what was most powerful. And so I'm just going to add this. I didn't tell you this in the discovery session, but when I was in East Timor, where I lived, East Timor left, I used to teach salsa. And there was a, a lady that came to my classes and she said, you know what? The UN therapist recommended that I came to your salsa classes because she says it's very good for mental health. <laughs> and I'm what? like, what? Yes. It sure is. Get that sweat and that movement. <laughs> I'm like, so you think about impact, right? As a lawyer, you think, oh, no, human rights, and I'm here saving the whatever communities. But actually, maybe my impact was even bigger at salsa because, you know, I was also helping, supporting people to just become who they are and feel more at ease with who they were. So first of all, we were just talking about that, like just the body, just body image and words uh -huh. and confidence. I mean, listen, it's still it's still a conversation that requires liquid courage sometimes for me, right? Like when it's like, ooh, uh, I'm not, my bachata <laughs> is off, right? Like I need to work on my bachata. But 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 Sarah, first of all, I you know um, I know Liz is a huge advocate for mental health and um, well being, and so. Thank you so much for talking about that. I was just hoping that, you know, you would mention like in general, how important the energy, right? Like not just the connectivity with somebody, but like mm -hmm. the energy, like how do you get the energy out that's kind of stagnant? We sit at our desk all day. We're talking to the people all the time. Sometimes you just need something just for you. And so coaching is that experience too, right? It's something just for you. This can also be something just for you, right? And so I love the connection and the, the connectivity around it. But I know we have to wrap up soon, but I wanted to ask about this book. Now, you ain't going to just drop that in the um, intro. And then I walk know. Off. Good catch, like, okay. Good catch. You're going to walk off with the book. What book is this? Can you give us the hot tea? Because oh we, we didn't know about no book. Nope. You no, know, no, but you, you couldn't have known it because I just finished writing it. So it was like, it was such a therapy. I, I recommend this, you know, just write down your experience is so powerful to really understand who, you know, your young self, go back to your young self, write about it. And it's just going to be, it has been an amazing process. So I went back to 2008 and started writing about how it was to go to Guinea-Bissau and all those experiences, all of this that we've been kind of talking about today. I put it, you know, I, I wrote it down. And I wrote down about a year in my life that actually led to my pregnancy and my 12-year-old daughter, right? And so it's it's a beautiful story, but most but most importantly, it was very healing for me to go back and to process with like with this distance and you know more age, more experience, etc., to process all of that. And so that's that's. That's what happened. And so the book is called The Colors of Ella. Ella meaning she, you know, that's the, the name of the character. And it's the first time I'm talking about the book. So it's still a little bit choppy. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Like, we're so honored because writing some, we just have somebody else that's going to be on our show 
later on. And she also said the same thing. She's like, I'm writing my memoir for me and for others to share stories. And I mean, one of the biggest reasons why we started this podcast was not only just to share our story, but to share everyone's story too, that maybe you would never hear, right? You would never get exposed to. And so what a beautiful moment to have to, you know, to write your, your, your experiences. How, what I have a lot of questions. How long did it take you to write your book? And what were the emotional, what was the emotional process as you were writing it? Oh, so, you know, I told you I was quick to action. It actually took me only one month and a half to write the whole thing, 210 Whoa. pages. I know, it's crazy. And the process was, you know, me going tick, 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 and my husband coming and saying, well, what are you doing? It's 10 p.m., why aren't you in bed? I'm like, just let me <laughs> just let me do this right so i was in this bubble of emotion i went back to the past but but it's a different kind of past right because when you go back years later it's just a different experience and so it it was really fast i never thought it would happen you know you 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 listen about you hear, hear about people writing their books and you think oh but that's a lot of time time consuming and it's hard and blah 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 but it just happened it just happened i needed to I needed to, you know, I needed to express it. That's yeah, and what, what a I legacy for your daughter. Right. Yeah. I was about to say, what a legacy. And, and also, let's call out everybody else, right? Like, let's say, listen, we all have a story. That, to this point, this is the point of the yes. podcast. But the, po but the point of the piece is not just to share your story, but to recognize the impact that you can have in the world by sharing your story. Like, that's why we choose people like yourself and our guests who are doing this DNI work, equity work, community work, um, people work, coaching work, because it it has an impact. And most people are like, oh, it's not like super famous. And I do this little piece here. And I'm like, no, that little piece, that little pebble can have a huge ripple in the ocean. And so all of our stories matter, right? Those we, we are part of the everyday people who are trying to make a change in the world and the stories matter. And I love the perspective that you chose around your daughter because oftentimes people are like, how do I put my life in perspective? But you don't have to, you don't have to boil the ocean. You can definitely just choose to a, a significant part that you just want to share with the world. And I love that. Yeah. So. We cannot wait. Please, please send us a copy because I can't wait to be inside as world. <laughs> And we'll, let us promote it when you release it too. We're gonna run it up so nice. people can be like, "Come get it! It's here!" How That's true. Yes, and you see this. This is going to be the cover of the. the <gasps> I was wondering. Was Maria's was work. Yes. I love it. That's it's beautiful. Yes. I love it was my daughter, my twelve-year-old daughter, who 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 made it. So if y'all not watching sorry. us on YouTube, you didn't you missed yes. exclusive. You're not gonna get it. But enjoy the listening. The rustling of the papers. That's all you're gonna get if you're not watching us on YouTube. Go hop yeah, over. Sorry, to I forgot about that. <laughs> Go ahead. No, over you to just YouTube, gave a YouTube yeah. exclusive. That's all. That's so right. like if you're not on YouTube, you'll know. You can't know. You won't know. You're missing out seeing our faces. But anyway, Sharon, we usually finish with our um kind of episode a little bit of a of, of a reflection. And I think my reflection again, goes back to what we talked about at the beginning, right? Having all of these identities and you don't have to stick to one lane. And, um, you know, finding things that aren't, I hate the word normal, because I, I really, it really bothers me using that word, but finding things that are not traditional 
to bring you joy and to bring you empowerment for yourself and 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 diversifying your skills because you never know what you may untap there honey i'm just yes saying like you might true find joy in these odd places doing bachata or painting or i don't know doing zumba sudoku zumba yes zumba you know i said sudoku but okay <laughs> like whatever But yes, your thing is whatever your thing is, is your thing. So, Sherry, do you want to share a little reflection? yeah i i you know what i i think it goes i mean the universe is working on me clearly um uh, because I think it goes back to what the college students were saying to me over the last couple of weeks about being authentically them, as well as hearing this conversation, Sarah. I mean, you have so many um, dimensions and experiences, lived experiences, and this amazing expertise. But then all of these identities that show up and don't they don't clash with each other because you are those things. And so I. I just want to just offer those who are struggling with still compartmentalizing themselves to just really tap into what does that serve them by doing that? Um, and is it an environment, right? Is it is it is it an environment that's requiring that? Or is it just some things that you still need to continuously work on to kind of allow yourself to be more, more be, just be, right? And so I, I feel like that just keeps coming up. And so I think we all should just take on being courageous enough to, if we're not ready for that authenticity, to support those who are, that's around us, who may need that and, and really champion and support and be that bridge for them um, or be that sponsor for them so that they can show up in the world until they the others may feel more comfortable. So it's really just coming up strongly with, with from your story, right? Like there is no box, I love we it. are. And I love how you're saying it, it will take as, as long as it needs to, to take, right? It could be slow, it could be quick, but it's, it's a process. And I, I love how you started the program earlier saying, you know, uh, you don't have to bring your, you know, whole self, but you can choose. And that ability to choose what makes sense in the moment, in this season of my life, is so so important so I, I love that reflection i love just i love this conversation thank you so much liz and shari you are amazing this podcast is awesome you're doing such great great work thank you Uh, well, thank you, Sara, for coming on and thank you for honoring us with your story and sharing that with everyone and being so vulnerable in that space. So um, y'all like like this episode, follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Apple Podcasts, um, hit us up, send us an email, Liz and share at more than words podcast .com. See y'all later.